0: Welcome back to another episode of the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. This week I'm going to be talking about why I despise religion but love God. And I really want to kind of untangle this web of deception that religion has created. And I really believe that religion kind of has this hold on a lot of people, on society, and i think that there is a darkness in the world that has pervaded religion and i think that religion is one of the biggest blocks or biggest enemy or whatever way you want to put it to god to knowing god to receiving and feeling god's love i mean how many people have turned their backs on god because of religion i know i did I know many of you have because I've heard from a lot of you. I know a lot of my friends have. I know many, 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 many more people who have turned their backs on God because of religion than who have come to find God because of religion. And I don't want to make a blanket statement that all religion is bad and every religious setting is bad. I don't believe that. I believe that there are a lot of beautiful things that come from religion, and there are a lot of religious spaces that are a lot healthier than others. However, from my experience, the fruits, the results, the aftermath, the effect of the majority of religious spaces is not positive. It is not more love, it is not more healing, it is not more connection with God, it is not more hope. I mean, just look at the bloody, bloody, bloody history of religion in the world. I think most people can agree that historically, religion has caused a lot of pain and has caused a lot of people to turn their backs on God. And what deeply pains me is that so many people believe that it's religion or nothing, that it's religion or atheism, that we can't have God outside of religion, that if we reject religion, we must also reject God. And I think that's why so many of us turn to this new age spirituality that became such a trend in the past few years. In the past really five to 10 years, it became really, really huge. Why? Because there is a generation of young people, not just young people, there are a generation of people who are deeply craving and longing for love for belonging and i believe that our longings are innate natural longings show us what we were created for and what we were created of we crave and long for love and belonging because we were created to be loved and to be chosen to feel like we belong to me it feels the same as like if you take a fish out of water They're going to be desperately longing to be back in the ocean. They're just trying and trying and trying and trying to get a gulp of water, but it's not there. They're only getting air. And it's not because that water doesn't exist, but it's because they are no longer in it. They have been pulled out of it. And so then maybe you can put that fish in a little fish tank. And suddenly they feel better because they've gotten a taste of that water, but something's still off, right? They're still longing and craving for something and they don't even know what it is because they don't remember that they are from the ocean and it feels the same way with humans. We're deeply craving and longing for this love and we get a taste of it, whether it's through spirituality and what we believe is our connection to the universe or whether it's through a relationship with a partner a romantic relationship or whether it's through you know achieving something and feeling more worthy of love we get small tastes of this love but we can never be fully fulfilled because we forgot where we came from which is god right god we are god's handiwork created in his image he is an all-loving being We were created to live and to be immersed within the love of God, but we are pulled out of that. A lot of us at a really, really young age. And I believe that we are pulled out of that on purpose. I believe that a lot of society and even the darkness that has kind of latched on to a lot of religion, it's all happened on purpose because there's spiritual warfare going on. There is a war for our hearts and we're a lot less powerful when we are detached and disconnected from god and god's love we are a lot more easily manipulated when we are not connected to god and not immersed in his love and so when new age spirituality became really big a lot of us were like you know the goldfish in the small little fish tank just so confused and so desperate for something but we don't even know what it is because we can't remember. It's like a fish that lost its memory of the ocean or a fish who is convinced that the ocean is evil because there's predators in the ocean. There's some sharks there. So, it would be horrible to go back there. It is so much better in this little fish tank, right? We've been sold that lie. God is bad. God is angry. God is vicious. God is murderous. So we grasp onto anything else that we can find. And New Age Spirituality, there's so much goodness in it. It fed us a lot of partial truths. So many partial truths. A lot of it is very much true, but it was just missing God. And when you take God out of it, there is this lack within it. It's like a fish getting a fish tank that's you know, slightly bigger, maybe double the size and being really excited about it because it feels like freedom, but then realizing, wait, this is still a cage. Why do I still feel like something is missing? Like I was created for something else. And I love the C.S. Lewis quote. It's, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And I truly believe it. Our desires and our longings mean something. We are longing for love because we were created for love. We were created for a different kind of reality, not the one that we live in. And the closest we can get to that reality is in full immersion with God, full union with God. Nothing of this world can ever truly satisfy or quench our deep longings that were created to be fulfilled only by God and by love now this leads us to religion because a lot of us fulfilled that craving through religion we turned to religion because we felt this deep longing we said oh that's the answer that's it and once again just like spirituality religion fed us a lot of partial truths that in the end betrayed us but the lies the falseness were so beautifully wrapped in these partial truths that it felt good for a while. And so the betrayal felt even more deep, even more painful because something that felt good then betrayed us. It it can be the same thing with spirituality. Those who kind of really were into the new age and suddenly felt like they were betrayed by their own belief systems. I just really want to remind you that pain as a result of a belief system is not Pain as a result of God. If there's one thing I could go back and tell myself a long time ago that would have saved me so much pain is that just because religion failed you does not mean that God did. Just because religion felt like it turned its back on you doesn't mean that God did. God never abandoned you. And one of the biggest evils in this world was the belief that so many of us were convinced to believe. That our choice is the god that religion has portrayed to us or nothing. Now, I want to talk more specifically about detangling these deceptive threads that can show up because of religion. And I don't want to just sit here and shit on religion and religious beliefs and anyone who considers themselves religious. Religion is not all bad. There is a lot of goodness in it and it is filled with well-intentioned people. However, well-intentioned people who are not conscious to their own wounding end up in projecting that same wounding on the people they're trying to help, oftentimes without realizing it. That's not to say that there isn't manipulation going on. There is. There are definitely people who are not well-intentioned, but the majority of people I've come across in religious spaces are very well-intentioned and also very unconscious of their projections that are creating lots of pain and lots of hurt for a lot of people in the name of helping them. So I'm not here to judge any of those people or to say that they're bad, but I am here to share my experiences, what I've experienced and a lot of the toxic beliefs that I didn't realize had a hold on me and how I kind of worked through them and where I am now because it was so freeing to me to realize that I could have a belief system and a theology and faith in something that was pure love because I was so sick and tired and exhausted of people claiming to represent this all loving God but then representing that same God as a tyrant and the truth is that I have yet to find the God that I know in a religious setting What I have found is a lot of fear-mongering, a lot of fear-mongering, a lot of it unintentional, but fear-mongering nonetheless, a lot of shaming, a lot of blaming, a lot of judgment, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. In the past eight or nine months or so, I've shared a bit about this before. I have taken myself to a lot of different churches a lot of different settings, a lot of different small groups. I've really been putting myself in all kinds of different environments. And I really felt called to do this. There was a time period where I was obsessed with learning about religions. All I wanted to do was read about religion, be around religious people. And it wasn't because of the religion itself that felt so exciting to me. It was, there was something about understanding. And I think that there's a part of me that still felt so wronged by my religious experiences when I was younger that just felt incomplete and confused because it was like a part of me was craving the religious experience of the worship and the community and feeling like you belong but then that same part of me also felt fearful of religious experiences and betrayed by religious experiences and it was this weird dynamic that almost felt like you know an abusive relationship where you felt really drawn to something that's really bad for you, but you almost can't help it. You're addicted to it. And that was kind of that feeling that I never really worked through from my younger experiences with religion. And I really feel like it wanted, it wanted to be fully healed. There were parts of me that had to be fully healed and I had to go back to the root of the wound in order to do that. And I also believe that God drew me to these experiences so that I can help other people through them with a complete understanding of what they're feeling and what they need. And I actually had this experience before I go into my experiences. uh, A couple of weeks ago when I was driving in my car and just had this complete meltdown of realizing how much religion had just messed up my mind. And just like I had so much anger at religion and so much sadness and grief because of religion and I was just like I am so done with this it's just I want nothing to do with these people with this religion with any of it you know all I really wanted when I when I moved my life was I wanted to have people and friends who understood the kind of love for God that I had and I just felt so disappointed that over and over and over again, I was finding those people who I thought had the same love I had for God, but I was let down by them over and over and over. And I had really uncovered some toxicity in religious spaces that I had never been aware of before. And it was so deeply rooted and it made me really so upset. And I really was just like, so confused. And I was in my car and I was like, God, why do you keep calling me to this? Why do you keep putting me in these spaces? I am so clearly feeling you calling me to these spaces, but then I'm let down by them. Why? Why? I don't want anything to do with this. And also speaking about God on my podcast and on my Instagram and my business, it's been overwhelming. It's been a lot, right? People get really triggered by that. And so I was like, this is a lot. I don't want this anymore. And I just felt this response, like this whisper. And I actually, it made me cry. And God said something along the lines of, I put you through this so that you can help free others from the grasp of religion in the same way that I am freeing you right now. Like you're going to bring my children back home to me. And I got chills even saying that aloud just now because that's been really a big part of my work this year and I haven't really been able to understand why, why I felt so called to this and now that I've unraveled so much of my own religious trauma, I realize why it's so important because I feel so sad that I was so deceived by religion for so long that it kept me from the love that I was craving for my entire life. So if we rewind a bit, go back to the beginning of this year when I first moved here and I had really just restarted my relationship with God and I was trying to understand my relationship with God and I felt really, really called to start going to church again because I hadn't been able to for years because I'd been abroad and traveling and it just felt really exciting to me. And so I started I started attending different churches, I started going to different small groups and A lot of it felt really good, but then I started to uncover so much of what was really at at the root level of a lot of it, and it didn't feel good. And I remember telling myself, I'm going to dive into all of this, but I'm going to remind myself that not everything I hear is the truth. I kept telling myself that I could maintain my belief system and not allow myself to be conditioned or brainwashed into anything that I knew my truth, I knew God so deeply that I could go and I could worship and sing and receive the positive message without taking away the negatives that I knew were deceptive and not truth. And I really, I did believe that. And the thing is that it worked for a time period. And then after a while, I started to feel really off and really kind of anxious all the time and fearful and more depressed. And I, I typically am a very optimistic, happy person. My disposition is generally cheerful. I, I've i always been an optimistic person by nature and it just wasn't me. And even uh, my friend, I was talking to my best friend and she was like, yeah, you're never this negative. I don't know what's going on with you. It's weird. And A few months ago, I just heard God say, okay, take a step back now. And I listened and I took a step back from all religious spaces. I stopped going to any churches. I stopped going to small groups. And it was like, I felt lighter immediately, like something dark and heavy had been lifted, had been unveiled. And it was in that time period that I was able to really deeply understand who God really is. And I was able to really deeply understand the root of all of my trauma around religion that I had never fully understood. And also, I was able to deeply understand all of the fear around God that leads a lot of people to turn their backs on him. And religion is supposed to set us free, right? God's supposed to set us free. Jesus is supposed to set us free. So why did religion suffocate me? Why, even when I knew, when I was more detached than most people are, I came in knowing this isn't for me, but for some reason I feel called to this experience. I went in knowing that and I still, like my unconscious, even though I consciously knew what I believed to be true, my unconscious took in so much that it was so heavy being in a space of hearing all of the belief systems that were so heavy, so dark, so toxic, although my mind knew that they weren't true, my unconscious mind didn't. My unconscious mind still clung to them. And that's where the heaviness came from. And this is why it is so important to have a lot of discernment around what you let into your space, what you let your mind listen to, whether it's a radio in the background or a TV show, even if you're not watching it, your unconscious is still taking it in. If you are in a religious space or a spiritual space, being really, really, really extremely, extremely, extremely discerning of the kinds of people that you're willing to hear from or learn from. And a big part of me going back into religious spaces is because I've shared this before. I've always felt so connected to Jesus ever since a really young age. But I've gone through lots of stages with that relationship from him being a spirit guide to an angel, to Christ consciousness, to the son of God. Like I've been all over the place, but that relationship has always been there. And I wanted to really dive deeper into that. And the only space I knew, I knew how to do that was a religious space. I was like, who else am I going to speak about this with? And, you know, since then I've actually realized there are many, many people like me who love God, who have a relationship with Jesus, but who despise religion and who operate outside of it. And that is the healthiest kind of person and the healthiest space I've ever found myself in. And I am not here to push my beliefs on you or to say, you need to believe what I believe. That's not my goal, but I do want to go through, like I said, I was going to do in the beginning before I started rambling at you for 20 minutes. Typical. Uh, I want to share some of the belief systems that were really heavy and, and toxic that my unconscious mind clung to and not just in my recent experience but really in my experiences from a really young age and what happened is is that in my most recent religious experiences the beliefs that were already existing within me from my early experiences with religion were brought to the surface so the first thing I noticed after being in, in small groups and Bible studies and in these religious settings was, why is it that the people here who claim to love God so much and to have a heart for God are more anxious and more depressed and more fearful than the atheists I know? Why is it that my atheist friends have less anxiety than these people? And I didn't get it in the beginning. And I I was surrounded by people who had dedicated their entire lives to God, right? People who had been in the faith since they were little children and pastors who had literally dedicated their entire lives. And I've experienced pastors who've dedicated their entire lives, entire lives to God, to a so-called loving God who had debilitating anxiety over whether or not they were truly going to be saved. And by be saved, I mean going to be saved from the eternal suffering of the hell that they believe in. And it really got me wondering and so confused about the hypocrisy of the idea of this God who has a peace that transcends all understanding, who is all love, with the anxiety that was the result of believing in this God. And to me, it didn't make sense because... Believing and having a relationship with this God who is all loving should bring you more love and more peace, not more anxiety. So if the result of your belief system is more anxiety and more fear, I would check on that belief system. And I realized that what was happening was I was seeing a lot of people who knew a lot about God, but they weren't experiencing the heart of God on a daily basis. And I know that because they were living in constant anxiety and fear. And these are some of the beliefs or some of the things that I heard and was taught in religious settings over the past six months. Some of them were, we can only speak to God in praise and worship. We should not be wrestling with God. Only thanking and praising him. Uh, You should feel so much love for God. Or for Jesus. That you are ready right now in this moment to die for your faith. And if that's not so, then you're not loving enough. Uh, You need to be suffering for your faith. And the -the in-between-the-lines of this was, if you are not suffering enough, you're not doing a good enough job for your faith. Or if your life is good then you're probably going to go to hell because you're supposed to be suffering for your faith the way that Jesus suffered for us. Uh, there's a lot of, you need to please God. A lot of performance. A lot of, don't expect Jesus to bring you health and happiness or prosperity. And the thing about these things is there's always some truth to it, right? We don't get to expect our relationship with God to automatically bring us everything we want. That is not not a healthy doctrine and not true that's not love that's transaction however the underlying message here the unspoken message was God wants you to be suffering God does not want to bring you health happiness or prosperity another phrase I heard which is so I felt was so disgusting is that God sends us sickness and tragedy to strengthen us or to use us as an example Oh, It makes me feel sick even saying that out loud because I don't know about you, but in my eyes, an all loving father does not infect the children that he loves more than anything with sickness or tragedy, quote unquote, for the greater good. That feels absolutely evil. That feels Hitler-esque, this for the greater good. That is not the God I know. Uh, Another phrase I heard was, God does not love everyone. Um, Also, God does not want you to be rich, right? This is the partial truth. Once again, read between the lines, you must be poor to please God. And I'm going to go through all of these and and talk through them because I know a lot of them are probably beliefs that a lot of you have picked up if you've been in religious spaces. And... I also want to remind you that I don't know everything, (laughs) no one does, and that you don't need to take everything that I say as ultimate truth. What I do want to invite you to do is to really expand your mind. As I've been actually turning to scripture myself and reading it, and which I have really never done since I was young, and even then I didn't really read any scripture. I just trusted everything that any preacher or pastor told me and took it to be truth. And I've started to actually read scriptures and it's been such a beautiful experience because I found so much goodness in it and so much truth in it. And it's really opened my eyes to the way that people have twisted scripture to their intent for a lot of it, for, you know, reasons based off of power and money. And sometimes simply without realizing it in an unconscious way to project their own hurts onto others, right? When... We don't deal with our own unconscious wounding. It gets projected on everyone that we interact with. And so there's a lot of unhealed people in churches projecting their wounding on others through manipulation of verses. It's like everyone reads... A religious texts of whatever scriptures or doctrine and they read it through the lens of their own unconscious belief system they read it through the lens lens of their unconscious hurts and woundings the same way that we see our entire realities through the lens of our unconscious beliefs right many of you know this if you've been in the healing space this is the basics of psychology the basics of healing the basics of inner child work we all know that our unconscious mind is actually controlling everything. So then we get these people who have n- felt abandoned or were never truly loved as children who picked up these belief systems about love that aren't truth who then go around telling everyone that God does not love everyone. Right. This is a big one that I kept hearing. God doesn't love everyone. He only loves his chosen ones who he has predestined and pre-chosen to be his. Everyone else doesn't matter because they are not God's chosen ones. There are only a select few of us who are actually the children of God whom he saves his love for. Therefore, we are going to heaven and everyone else is going to be tortured eternally in hell. How good must it feel for an adult whose five-year-old self was never fully chosen to believe that there is a God out there Who has fully chosen them instead of everyone else how good must it be to feel that god is choosing you and not everyone else when in your childhood you were bullied you felt like everyone else was chosen but not you you were abandoned so many people pick a belief system that supports their hurt and trauma that they haven't dealt with and it feels like truth Because it feels familiar. And everyone will say, no, but this is what the Bible says. This is what scripture says. But I found that there is about a million different interpretations of scripture. You can find any belief system. You can, I've seen over and over people on blogs, on Instagram, anywhere, in person, flinging the same verses at each other to back up completely different arguments. We will twist whatever we are given to match our unconscious beliefs and woundings in order to make ourselves feel okay. That is constantly happening. Unless we are aware of the unconscious, it is going to rule our realities and also our belief systems. And suddenly we have this sect of of religion, of religious people, who believe that only the chosen are sacred. Only the chosen are loved, as if God had favorites, as if this is a popularity contest. And for those of you who do read scriptures, I am not going to be sharing scriptures to back up everything that I am saying. And one of the reasons for that is I am exhausted of seeing people flinging scriptures at each other over and over and over and over to argue their side of things. I don't want to give you all of the scriptural proof that I found of what I'm sharing. What I would invite you to do if you feel called to scripture is to have your own experience with scripture and to invite God to actually guide you because we're not meant to be leaning on our own understanding of a literal reading of all scripture. That leads to so much darkness. We're meant to have a God-led understanding. That sometimes does not make logical sense because I could read you 10 verses that back up something I say, and there'll be someone else out there who can read me 10 verses back explaining why I'm a heretic. But what I know to be true is that God is love. God is all love and everything must be interpreted through that lens or else everything is interpreted through our trauma. In the face of all consuming love, nothing else can exist. Fear, anxiety, trauma, pain, hurt, brokenness none of it. None of it can exist in the face of pure love. And so, if we are interpreting anything outside of love, we are automatically allowing our own wounding to seep into our interpretations. We have to start from love. Before I get into that, I want to speak on some of these other beliefs. So, Another one, uh, we must only speak to God in praise. I've had some of you talk to me and and share with me how you still have anxieties around not thanking God for every single thing or every person in your life, every, every night. And a lot of you don't feel comfortable sharing your vulnerabilities or your fears with God. But the reality is we have free will, and this has happened on purpose. There is a warfare for our hearts When we're unwilling to share our vulnerabilities, our fears, the deepest, darkest pain pain points within us with God, we're not letting him put his hands on those parts of us. When we hide them away out of shame, when we try to please God by showing up and pretending we're perfect, we're not letting him put his hands on the parts of us that most need his love, healing, and acceptance. When we only speak to God in praise, in thanksgiving, in worship, What do we have? We no longer have a loving father, a loving Abba. No, we have a tyrant. I mean, think about the tyrants in history. We've all heard of them. The ones who make it law that you can be put to death for speaking bad things about them in public. And then we think of God in that way. If I share bad things with God, or I share how I'm really feeling about him, even though it's my truth right now, he's gonna punish me, that's no longer a loving father. That is a tyrant. That is not love. Although many, many, many of us at a young age experience love, what we thought was love, through parental figures or adult figures, who showed up more who showed up more as a tyrant than a perfect father or mother. And so it makes sense why this is so pervasive in religion. But it keeps you from healing and it keeps you from truly knowing God's heart because God wants all of you, every single piece of you, not just the parts that look perfect or put together or pretty. If we're only talking to God and praise and thanksgiving and we believe it's wrong to share anything else, then we're going to repress everything else. It's going to become deeply unconscious and therefore control our life. Then we're going to call the results of that sin, become terrified of it, try to resist and repress it and make it go away, therefore giving it even more power and suddenly our life is going to become a constant spiral of doing things we don't want to be doing, shaming ourselves for that and trying to get away from it, all the name of trying to please God so we can feel loved. When in reality, God never asks us to please him. God wants to love us and if we don't, offer up every single part of ourselves, we're not able to receive that love in all the places that we so deeply need it. There is no love without vulnerability. Imagine being in a relationship with someone and never being vulnerable with them. There would be no love there. It would be surface level attraction or likeness, but not love. Love requires that we surrender our vulnerabilities No, I don't know about you, but the people I feel the most loved by in my life are the ones who know every part of me. The ones who have seen me at my absolute worst, the dirtiest, the messiest, the most toxic, the ones who know all of my toxic habits and patterns and traits and every bad thing I've ever done and still choose to show up and love me. Those are the people I want to be around the most. There's a reason we feel most loved by the ones who know us the most. And then we all wonder why we don't feel loved by God. It feels like God's not there when we're hiding every single part of ourselves away from him. He's not going to force himself on us. That's not love. Love requires free will. If love is taken by force or forced upon us or bargained, it's no longer love. By definition, That, that cannot be love. Love requires free will. It requires us to choose that love. It requires us to give it freely. If love is not given freely, it's not actually love. If love is given out of fear, that is also not actually love. Okay, let's talk about another one of these. Uh, How about that you must suffer for your faith? This is a really big one. And there is a huge unspoken understanding that you should be suffering for your faith and that your suffering pleases God. Your willingness to suffer makes God happy. Oh, there was so much of this. It actually made me feel shame for the parts of my life that felt good and it made me feel shame for wanting to make my life better, for having goals I wanted to reach. There was a lot of shaming around having dreams, chasing dreams, and I just it's so toxic because what kind of loving father says you need to suffer for me to prove your love for me no i believe that a loving father does not protect their child from every hurt in the world i don't believe overprotective is healthy but i also don't believe that god inflicts suffering on us or that our suffering pleases him i also i also don't think that god's first priority is us living our dream lives not to say that he doesn't necessarily want that for us but i believe that his priority is us feeling his love is our relationship with him the same as any father would have for a child that they loved unconditionally and sometimes it is our suffering that brings us back to the feet of god when we have no other option but i don't believe that god wants us to suffer in order to come back to him. Oh, and on that same note, we must suffer for God as we must be ready to die for our faith. This was a big one. I remember hearing this and being like, what? Honestly, right now, I don't know if I'd have the strength to do that. And that almost felt unwelcome to communicate in that space. It was like this unspoken, if you're not ready to die for your faith, you're not worthy of your faith. Which is so gross to me. Imagine telling someone who just started dating someone that you must be ready to give up your life for that person or you're not good enough for this relationship. That's toxic. That makes no sense. What I want is not to be told you need to be willing to die for your faith or for God or for this person. Instead, why don't you show me the love Show me how to access the kind of love that's going to inspire me naturally to want to do that. When there are two people who are so deeply in love, you don't need to tell them you should be willing to give up your life for your partner or for that person. When you love someone so deeply, it is innate within you that you would do anything for them, that you would even give up your life. I'm sure there is no mother who wouldn't give up her life for her children. This is a big problem I see in religion is we're told all of these effects of things that we should be, you should not be doing bad things. You shouldn't be sinning. You should be ready to die. But it doesn't work because that's not how it actually works. We don't try to stop quote unquote sinning or doing bad things. We don't try to become courageous enough to die for our faith. You can't try your way to these things. And that's what religion teaches. This is where you should be, try harder and get there. Religion is constantly saying, try harder, you're not doing good enough. When I'm like, no, stop telling me to try more. Show me the love. Show me how to open my heart and how to access the kind of love that is going to change my life from the inside out because that love is so big and so grand and so deep and so wide. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to be shown. And I kept asking myself, why don't I feel the love of God in any of these people who are teaching all of this religious doctrine? Why don't I feel God's love through them? Yeah, they're spewing out a lot of memorized, fancy doctrine and scriptures and verses and vocabulary, and they're very knowledgeable and very informed, but very lacking in love. Because if your heart is shut down, you can know everything about God, but you won't be experiencing God because God lives within our hearts. God can't dwell within our hearts if our hearts are shut off, if they're shut down. We can learn everything there is to know about God. You can go to Bible school, whatever they're called. You can learn everything there is to learn about the Bible or any religion But if your heart is shut, none of that is going to make your life better. Knowing about God is not the same as knowing God. And I think that religion makes that mistake a lot of times. And in fact, I also believe that knowing too much about God, learning too much, stuffing your head with too much wisdom can actually block you from knowing God personally. Because when we get stuck in our minds overanalyzing, overthinking, we're no longer in our hearts. And when we're not in our hearts, we're not in union with God anymore. We've pushed him out. We've shut our hearts down in the name of overthinking, overanalyzing, overknowing. And the last one I guess I'll talk about is that God doesn't want you to be rich, a.k.a. you must be poor to please God. Uh, I think both of these are False not complete truths. And I'm not going to go too deep into this because I'm going to do a whole series on money and I'll probably talk about this more then. But I don't believe that God's priority is for us to be rich, but I also don't believe that he desires us to be poor. Once again, God's priority is love. And religion has been used to blame and shame money and to call money evil for so long. And it's... (laughs) It's so funny because it'll shame people into not pursuing ways to attain more money while at the same time demanding that they tithe more of their income than they can afford to make the church rich. Seems kind of backwards to me. And wasn't going to go there, but my opinion on tithing is that tithing is not something we need to do with our wallets. It can be. But tithing is something we do first with our hearts. Everything happens in the heart first. Everything happens in the internal first. That is something that new age got right. There was so much truth in new age. It was just lacking in God. We have to start from the inside out, not the outside in that doesn't work. Your reality is a reflection of your internal reality, a reflection of your heart. And what kind of loving God would demand that everyone who loves him gives up all of their belongings, and becomes poor for him. And I know people are going to bring up the parable in the Bible about, you know, Jesus demanding that that man give up, the rich man give up everything and follow him. It would be ridiculous to say that that is practical for all of us. And in fact, there were very wealthy people and very wealthy women supporting Jesus's mission, at that time it would not have been possible without the wealthy people who were supporting so he's not saying that money is evil and bad he's saying that our relationship with money when we make it an idol when we put it above god separates us from god's love and we can't do anything without god's love money can be used in beautiful ways for beautiful things from a place of love It's not money that is evil or the problem, but our relationship to it that can be. And I'm, once again, not going to go deep into this. I'm going to do a whole series on money, but had to mention that because that's a really, really big one. So God has been greatly misrepresented and I would encourage you if you have these misrepresented ideas or beliefs about God. To really connect with God and invite him to reveal his heart to you. To really show you who he really is. And I would also invite you to take any belief systems and hold them up to love. If it doesn't bring you peace, if it doesn't feel like love, it cannot be of God. And for those of you who do read scriptures and are trying to really wrestle with your belief system when it comes to religion... When you really look at the scriptures, Jesus showed up to show us who God is, right? If you've seen me, you've seen the face of God. We see God through Jesus. I believe he came to correct our extremely misrepresented view of God. This is why I've really loved studying Jesus over the past few months or so. It helped me to unravel so much of my toxic religious belief systems from when I was younger. Because when you look at the life of Jesus, there is no violence, there is no murderous nature. There is no extreme wrath and anger. There is love and gentleness and acceptance. Jesus in scripture says over and over, right? Like, you know, the father, if you know me, you can only know God through me. Why did he say that? Why do I believe he said that? Because at that time, the belief system of God was so toxic, right? Look at the old Testament. So murderous, so toxic. It was easier to be terrified of God than to feel loved by God. And then Jesus comes and says, no that's wrong you gotta know me he came to actually show the true nature of god and whether or not you believe in jesus as the son of god we can look at the life of jesus and see the nature of god revealed through his life even spirituality there's so much of christ consciousness and mary magdalene there's there's so much study of Jesus and spirituality. used to study all about Christ consciousness and Mary Magdalene and the teachings of Jesus. Once again, partial truths. But there's a reason it's so beautiful to study the life of Jesus. There's a reason that so many people felt drawn to that, whether it's in spirituality or religion or elsewhere. And it's because Jesus shows us the true nature of God. And just like the fish longing for the ocean, when we get a taste of what we're longing for, we are drawn toward it. And I believe we're drawn toward it because it is our nature. Just like a fish should be drawn to water. I keep using that stupid example. But because it, it just, it's so accurate and just like a fish, like I, I don't think that love is just an option. I think we need it like we need air. And I believe in a God who is all love and is all good. I believe in a God whose love is so deep and so wide that he will stop at nothing to save and help and protect and provide for and to love on each and every one of his children. Even when we turn our backs on him, he is still pursuing us. He can't force himself on us, but he's still there. I don't believe in a God who shames you or or judges you or threatens to punish you with eternal torture if you slip up we've got to start from scratch with our beliefs around god because we've been deceived and we've been deceived on purpose because the closer we get to god the true god to his true heart to his love the more powerful we become the less easily manipulated we are it's a lot easier to manipulate someone who's in a cage rather than someone who's set free Right, it's a lot easier to get a fish to do what you want when it's in a little fishbowl than when it's free in the ocean where it belongs. And our view of God directly feeds into our view of the world. Our belief system is so important, and our theology and beliefs around God are so important that we have to talk about this first because everything else comes second. Our belief system is a lens through which we see reality, and so if we see reality through the the belief that There's a God who wants to punish us or judge us or shame us. We're going to go around all the time not feeling good enough. I think before we talk about anything else, before we talk about money or relationships or your dream life or any of the things that we want, we have to fix our image of God. We have to correct it. We have to hold it up to love and ask if it fits. And I had to keep telling myself on my journey. is like, Kristen, stop seeking all of the answers and let love bring you the answers. When we start from love and work our way from there, everything is made clear in time. And I've experienced that over and over and over. And I don't want to just share everything, like the details of everything I've come to believe to be true now. Because I want you to do that on your own to start with love. Let's just start with love. God is an all-loving, other-centered being, relational being, who wants to have a relationship with us. He is a loving, perfectly loving Father. He's not the unconditionally loving God who actually gives conditional love, that religion tells us. He is all-loving, and is not capable of acting outside of love, because He is love. We don't understand that because... We are not all love. We were created to be, but we're not. We live in a fallen world to some extent. So it is hard for us to even imagine what that's like, especially when we've been fed images of a God our entire lives who is not all loving. So it gets confusing. And on top of that, we all have confused beliefs about what love is and what love looks like because... Our experiences of love when we were, you know, younger than five years old became our unconscious belief about love. So there's lots of murkiness when it comes to our vision of God. Once again, I believe this is on purpose. And I've seen so many people bring up the verse and use it for fear-mongering of it's something I forgot. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to paraphrase, but... There is a verse in the gospels where Jesus is speaking and he basically says, you know, there's going to be people who love me and know me, but you know, they're going to come knocking, you know, on God's kingdom. And I'm going to say, leave me. I never knew you. And it terrifies people because people suddenly take that and they say, I'm not doing a good enough job. I need to make sure I'm perfect, that I'm not messing things up, that I'm not sinning that I'm loving God with all my heart to make sure that he doesn't turn me away. And it's terrifying. And I've seen so much fear-mongering of people using that verse and saying, you might think you're doing enough, but you're not. Jesus might actually turn you away at the gates of heaven. And it's so disgusting for me that people use this as a fear-mongering line. And I was praying on this and praying for understanding around this concept because I just was like, no, that doesn't seem right to me. I don't believe that that's the, that's the truth. And immediately after praying for understanding around that verse, I came across a story. Uh, it was like a video of a girl who used to be a drug addict and it was a story of how her father turning her away saved her life. And the story was, I'm going to paraphrase and I wish I remember the name of the girl or could find the video, but I don't. Um, I only watched it once and then I couldn't find it again. But the story was that she was a drug addict and she went to her father to take her in and he turned her away. And it was like, basically this story was, if you don't go to rehab, I can't let you into my home. And, you know, on the outside, it was like, oh, a father turning his daughter away who he loves unconditionally. That is mean, but in reality, it saved her life because she was so hurt by that, that she chose to go to rehab and to finally take it seriously. And now they have a really good relationship. And she said, if he had not turned me away, I think I would have died. I think that my addiction would have taken over my my entire life because it already was. And now I think of that story every time I see someone using that verse as fear mongering of Jesus saying, leave me, I don't know you, right? When you're like knocking on the kingdom of God. Knocking on the doors of heaven or however you interpret that. I know everyone has different beliefs. And then after that, there's, you know, I'm paraphrasing again, but the gnashing of teeth, right? And everyone uses this as fear mongering saying, you're going to be thrown into hell, eternal torment. And the gnashing of teeth is just a visual representation of, of people being tortured. But the way I see it is that gnashing of teeth, that darkness that they're thrown into when they're turned away from God is not eternal torture. It's, think about when that girl was turned away from her father, when she was addicted to something that was killing her. She went to rehab, and there's darkness in rehab. There is a reason people don't stick with it or want to go to it. There is pain in rehab. There is withdrawal in rehab. It is hard. It is painful. It sucks. It's not something you want to experience. But it is the only path to purification. It is the only path to life, right? The addiction will literally take you unless you are strong enough to choose to go through this pain. So when I see this verse of being turned away by God, I don't see it as God's turning away from us because he doesn't love us. I see it as God saying, you have to go to rehab. I love you and I am accepting you and I want you in my presence. But I cannot encourage something that is killing you. And that rehab, it's going to hurt. It might even feel torturous. But you have to be purified of this darkness that is within you because it is killing you. That is the way that I see it and understand it. Our Father, our God, does not reject us. He doesn't reject any of us. He rejects what is not us because he made us. He knows the real us. He knows what is not of us. He knows all the places that darkness has our grip. That darkness has its grip on ourselves, on our lives, on our hearts. And he will never reject us, but he will reject the darkness that has its grip on us. And he will demand that that darkness be rehabilitated out of us. And sometimes... That is painful, as we all know, we've been through, many of us, spiritual deaths and rebirths, and we know that oftentimes pain leads to joy, right? Just like childbirth. There's going to be labor pain, but on the other side of that is the most joy and the most love you've ever experienced, a kind of love that you have never known before. I believe it's the same with God. His purifying fire is rehabitual and we die to ourselves there. We die to the parts of ourselves that are not truly of us, that are not truly of God. And it doesn't mean it's not painful. But it is still of love. It is still born of love. Start with love. Work your way from there. When something in your belief system doesn't seem to match up with or align with love, pause, pray about it. Ask for guidance and clarity. I see so many people, I saw so many people in religion who stay there out of fear and they go through the motions of loving God because they're so terrified of being punished by God. That's not love. That's a relationship with the tyrant. That's actually emotional abuse. But it feels familiar to a lot of people. It feels like love to a lot of people because that is there, unfortunately and like tragically, that is so many of our experiences in childhood. so many of our experiences in adult relationships that it feels so familiar to us we mistake it as love we mistake it as truth in the same way that so many of us as adults a lot of us know by now that unconsciously we seek out what we are familiar with we replay out our childhood trauma and adult relationships until it's been healed so we mistake trauma and abuse even subtle trauma and abuse and emotional manipulation in relationships for love Because it feels familiar and we do the same thing with our relationship with God. Quote unquote God, right? Our relationship to religion. What feels familiar and like love to us is not always what love actually is. You have to be willing to let go of everything you think love is and let God show you. You know, I got so sick of in these religious spaces. I kept hearing over and over and over, you know, we're not legalistic. It's not about works. It's not about what you do that makes God love you right? It's by grace. It's by grace. It's not about what you do. But then I was seeing people show up overwhelmed by anxiety because they felt they weren't doing a good enough job, fearing the punishment of God, feeling so much shame. That is not of God. Shame does not come from God and he's not capable of shame. God is love. And I, I want to talk briefly also about sin because it's something that I very much misunderstood, especially my first time around in religion. It was like this idea that sin is something that you do that is bad and God hates it when you do bad things and he's going to punish you. So you better not do bad things. You better not sin. So the more I've understood sin now and really studied it and, and looked more deeply at it instead of just blindly listening to what people told me, is I've realized how wrong that that interpretation is. Sin in Greek, one of the original languages of the Bible, because the Bible was not written in English, which is why there are so many misinterpretations. So the word sin in Greek, when directly translated, actually means to fall short, to miss the mark. But we have in the Western world misinterpreted this through our collective trauma through our collective pain into something that we need to perform right i need to not do bad things i need to perform well so i don't fall short of what god wants of me as if we're in a classroom and god is the teacher that we need to please with good grades that's not what it actually means from my understanding what it actually means is to fall short of our design to miss the mark what is the mark the image of God, our original design, we're created in his image, our original blueprint. This is not something we have control over. God designed us in a certain way, gave us his blueprint, this original design, but we fell away from it when we were separated from God, right? When darkness came into this world, that darkness separated us from the love of God, that messed with our blueprint, our design, which was designed to operate on love and abundance, so darkness and scarcity came into the world. Began to, we began to shut down our hearts because it felt too overwhelming. And when we shut down our hearts, we shut out love. We shut out God. And so sin actually just means separate from our design. It means separation from love to operate outside of our original design. Sin has nothing to do with adhering to rules or doctrine. A lot of the things that are claimed to be sin, they can be the perceivable external effect of sin, quote unquote sin, right? Operating outside of our original design, the way God designed us to operate based solely on love, separation from love. However, this starts in the heart. What is sin? Actually, it is a heart separated from God. We're missing the mark, which is the image of God our original design we're falling short of our original design and our original design is to have a heart that is completely in union with God and the love of God and so religion teaches us that here's a list of things that you can't do religion teaches try harder please God don't do these bad things or you are a bad person But God says, no, you're enough. I don't need you to be perfect. I don't need you to follow this list of rules. I need you to give your whole heart to me. Let me change you from the inside out. Open your heart to me and don't worry about all of the other things because our physical reality, our life, our habits, our values, what we do in our lives, it's a reflection of our heart. Right? That's one thing. Once again, I said this spirituality got that, right? Your life is a reflection of your internal world, but no, it's deeper than that. Your life is a reflection of your heart, how you show up in your life. is a reflection of your heart. And so we shouldn't look at the things we're doing and say, Oh, that's sin. I'm doing a bad thing. I need to stop. Instead, when we look at our lives and we say, huh, that doesn't seem right. These things aren't really making me feel fully loved. They don't bring me transcendent peace. It's not of God. Instead of trying harder to be a better person, let me take a look at the state of my heart. Where is my heart shut down? And now let's look at the word repent. Repent in Greek, the original language of the Bible, is metanoia. So metanoia actually translates to metamorphosis of the mind. So it means quite literally, to change your mind or to change direction. I grew up believing that sin meant doing a bad thing and you had to repent. You had to get on your knees and beg God to forgive you for being a bad person so that he would still love you. What it really means is metamorphosis of the mind, complete complete transformation of the internal of the mind. And your mind is a reflection of the state of your heart. Once again, it's an internal process. Repent is the natural result of coming back home to your heart, coming back home into union with God. It changes your mind completely, and your mind controls your life, mostly your subconscious mind, not your conscious mind. So if repenting is the result of coming back to God, right? Really the result of opening your heart letting God back in, your mind is transformed. And the result of that is your life being transformed because your life is a result of your subconscious mind. So basically, your life is a manifestation of the state of your heart. And when we repent, when we have complete metamorphosis of the mind, because we have separated ourselves from sin, which means to come back into our original design, to open our hearts again to God, that is when we begin to live within the peace, the transcendent peace, the unexplainable joy, the blessings of God. Because yes, we can get in the way of the blessings God wants to give us of the goodness he wants to bless us with. We can because we have free will. When we shut him out, we shut out his goodness. So we don't need to try to sin less, right? Sin within that like religious definition of doing a bad thing. We need more love. We need more attention on our hearts. We need hearts that are open. We need lives and lives and minds and hearts that are transformed. We need a metamorphosis. And that's not going to happen with the stories that religion tells there's this religious doctrine that we are unworthy sinners who are not deserving of the love of God, which just feels so icky. If anyone tells you that you are unworthy, run far, far away. Let's look at this through God's eyes, a being of complete love, a loving, loving, loving father. And also for those of you who do read scripture, Jesus never really called God, God, only once when he said, God, why have you forsaken me? He called God, father, Abba, not this high and mighty God who's sitting on a throne in the sky, but father, loving father. Let's look at ourselves through the eyes of a loving father, We are not unworthy sinners who can only do bad things. We are cherished children who are mesmerizing and fascinating to God. He will pursue us to the ends of the earth because He loves us so much, no matter how often we turn our backs on Him. And I never really understood why religion said we need to ask God for forgiveness. Because I took it as okay. I did a bad thing, and I'm supposed to regret it, and I have to ask God to forgive me so that he doesn't punish me. And that just doesn't seem right. But that isn't the truth of it. In reality, I'm not asking God for forgiveness because I did a bad thing. I'm not saying, God, I did something bad. I'm a bad person. Please forgive me because I feel guilty. I'm actually asking God to forgive me for turning my back on him. Because if sin truly is something that is of the heart, if it means operating outside of our original blueprint or design. We don't need God's forgiveness for doing something quote-unquote bad. He's not judging us or shaming us. But it hurts when you turn your back on someone who loves you. When I'm asking God's forgiveness, I'm not saying, God, I did something bad. Forgive me. I'm saying, God, I'm so sorry I turned my back on you. I shut my heart off to you. And that led me into a life that was separate from you. All I want is to be one with you. I'm sorry for every time I abandon you because I know you never abandoned me. That is so, so, so much different. Your relationship with God should be devoid of shame because God is not capable of shaming us. He does not operate outside of love because he is love and only love. And every attribute of God comes from love. So the invitation is to be really discerning with your belief system. What are the fruits? What are the effects of what you believe? Is it more love? Is it more peace? Or is it more fear? Is it more anxiety? And I know what some people will say to this because I've heard it over and over. Well, the truth matters more than how you feel. It doesn't matter if you feel anxious about your beliefs Emotions are misleading and the truth doesn't always feel good. Well, this is true. However, this idea or doctrine that the truth matters more than how you feel is not the whole truth because it's true. The truth doesn't always make you feel good all the time. Sometimes there are hard truths in life. However, God created us in his image. He gave us the ability to feel, to feel emotion for a reason, We are no longer bypassing our feelings in the name of supposed quote-unquote truth that doesn't feel like love to me. A God who says, I don't care how you feel, this is what you must believe, even if it makes you anxious and depressed, do not question me, that is not love. So there is some truth to the idea that we cannot let our feelings dictate all of our beliefs, but our feelings will also lead us somewhere important when we choose not to repress them. Just because something feels good does not mean that it's true. but at the same And at the same time, just because something feels bad doesn't mean that it's false. But our feelings are messengers. Our feelings are important. And if we never allow ourselves to fully validate and be present with our feelings and, and see what's underneath them, they'll simply become repressed. They'll move into our unconscious and continue to control our reality from there. We will never uncover the actual truth by repressing how we feel. There has to be a middle ground. We can marry our minds with our emotions and they can work together. It's how God created us. How many times have you had an emotional release and then found clarity, right? Me, I know for me, it's all the time. I scream or I cry and suddenly there's this fog that's lifted from my mind and the clarity shows up. It's the same thing with our belief system. If we are repressing the way that we feel in the name of quote-unquote truth because our feelings don't dictate what is true, we are actually blocking ourselves off from clarity. So beware of anyone who tells you that your feelings don't matter or that you should be repressing them in the name of truth. Your emotions are important and they are valid and they have a part to play in uncovering truth and clarity. Not the whole part, but an important part. And our tr- our beliefs still do to some extent become our reality because our beliefs are what lives within our subconscious, which controls 90% of our behaviors in our lives. So if you truly believe that God wants me to suffer and this is the truth. And even though it gives me anxiety and makes me depressed, it doesn't matter because I was told it was true and my feelings do not inform what is true or what is not true. Then suddenly that belief becomes your reality and you begin to suffer more and to move yourself into situations which bring more suffering into your reality because of an unconscious belief that God wants me to suffer. And you never allowed yourself to actually challenge that belief Because someone told you that your emotions don't inform the truth. Our belief system can separate us from God, from his goodness, and from his love. And what I really want you to do today is to question all of the beliefs, unconscious or conscious whatever comes through. Question every single thing you have ever been told to believe about God. Hold it up against love. So after experiencing religion, both in my childhood and my adulthood, after experiencing spirituality for years and years and years, what I now understand is that religion is always saying, try harder, you're not doing a good enough job. Spirituality is always saying, heal more, you're not healing enough. And God is saying, you are enough right here and right now. I love and accept you exactly as you are. But the voices of religion and spirituality and the self-development world and everyone online are so loud that we can't hear God anymore. And all the other voices are so loud and so overwhelming, we've shut off our hearts to all of it. And by shutting our hearts off to all of it, we've shut our hearts off to God and by shutting our hearts off to God, we've shut our hearts off from the unlimited possibilities that exist for us in our life and all the goodness and blessings and miracles that He desires to shower us with. It's a very clever trap that's been created by the world we live in, by the society we live in. Shut down their hearts, make them feel powerless, make them feel separate from God, and they will suddenly. They will be weak. They will be able to be manipulated. They will be lacking in hope in faith in belief and all of the things that we need in order to claim what is meant for us. Spirituality also got that right. We need belief. We need faith. Belief controls our reality, yes. But we don't need to believe in ourselves. We need to believe in God. And I don't just mean believe in him. I mean believe in the goodness of God, in the love that is God. Yes, God loves us and wants to provide for us and protect us. And all of the things. But if we don't have the belief in who he truly is. We are blocking putting a wall in front of our hearts. Stopping ourselves from receiving all of the goodness that he wants to bless us with. And I could literally go on for another two hours. There's so many toxic beliefs that I had to work through from religion. Like I have literally pages and pages and pages and pages of notes of me working through this myself. Of of working through all of these belief systems. and I'm not going to speak on everything and go through all of it because I don't want this to get really, really long. But I do want you to know that you can know God outside outside of religion, outside of any spiritual system. You can know God. And it is possible that God is more loving, more accepting, more good than you have the ability to even imagine. And that there is so much goodness that God wants to bless us with that we are personally blocking by being unwilling to check our theology and our belief systems when it comes to God. By by being unwilling to face who God really is. We cannot let the systems of this world win. We cannot let the darkness that has pervaded religion to win love wins in the end love always wins but we play a part in that love can't win if we don't let love in so i'm just gonna end it there because i've been blabbering at you for over an hour now and i'm like what did i even say i hope this was helpful i don't even know what i talked about but it was cathartic at least for me and i really hope that i did serve you And I'm going to, I'm planning to actually do a podcast series and an email series on money. I actually haven't spoken on money for about a year and a half. I built my entire business speaking about money, manifesting money, money mindset, energetics of money. And I got bored of it. And I just, after a while, wasn't inspired. And God is the CEO of my business. He's my boss. And he led me in a different direction. And now he's leading me back. And something that I despise about the church is that it either doesn't talk about money or it only shits on money. (laughs) And it's really hard to access truth around money. And I had so many people who expressed anxiety about money to me that comes from their religious trauma, right? Of if you have a lot of money, you're not going to get into heaven. You're going to burn in hell. So you better stay poor forever. There's a lot of toxic money belief systems that have really gotten to us on a subconscious level. There's a lot of half truths that we were taught by new age spirituality that were just enough to get us excited and hooked, but then betrayed us in the end because it wasn't the whole truth. And so I now feel the inspiration and God is leading me to speak and teach on money again. So I'm going to be doing an email and podcast series on money. And I thought I had mastered money four years ago and boy, was I wrong. I've been all over the ways with money. I've been broke on a $7 a day budget. I've made You know, over a million in sales. I've done six figure months multiple times. Like I've been everywhere in between as well. So I think the same way that God guided me through all of these religious experiences the past few months, that I could have the understanding to help free people from religion and bring them back to Him outside of it. I also believe God led me through every possible experience there is to be had with money so that I could have a deep understanding and begin to teach about money again from a grounded place. So we're now going to approach money from a deeper place, from an embodied space with calm, stable, nervous systems, with open hearts and through union with God. Because God created this physical world and he knows our needs and he knows that money is important to our lives. I think that he desires to work with us on money and to work in our lives through money. But there's a lot that needs to be adjusted in our relationship with money and our relationship with God in order for that to happen. And no, God does not want you to be dirt poor. And I also don't believe that God's priority is for you to be a millionaire. But I do believe that God does not desire you to suffer And that he he knows your needs and deeply desires to provide for you and to protect you and to meet your needs. But if that's not happening, oftentimes we need to look at our hearts. We need to look at where darkness has made its way in to stay. Where dark beliefs that are not of God, beliefs that are not of love where scarcity has made its way into our hearts and into our minds and become our money reality because God created this world to operate on love and abundance. Anything that is not love that is not loving that is not abundant. When I say abundant, I don't mean finances, but abundance of giving of generosity. Anything that is not of love that is not of abundance is not of God. And so we have to return back to our original blueprint when it comes to money. Because yes, there is an original blueprint. So I'm going to be sharing all things money. If you are not subscribed to my email list, the link is in the show notes. Make sure you're subscribed. I'm still taking an Instagram break, so I won't currently be sharing this there until I'm ready for that break to be up. It's just going to be on Instagram and on the podcast. If you have specific questions about money that you want me to address, send me an email to Jenna at pursuitofbliss.com letting me know what your questions are about money or what you're struggling with. Because I want this to be more than me just talking at you. This is going to be a conversation. I want your input. Um, Also, with that said, if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, whether it's about money or something else, and these one-on-one sessions are deeply somatic, we actually go within your body, within your heart, and begin to remove any blockages, any walls, anything that is pulling you out of your original blueprint, your original design of love and abundance uh to begin to actually shift your reality in a really deep embodied way we anchor in the safety the love the belief and the trust we anchor in that union with god so that you're able to begin to actually magnetize everything that is meant for you without needing to work so hard and to depend on your own self will and self control for it so my sessions are very deep they're embodied they're very magical they're god led If you are interested in working with me, if you feel called to that, you'll know God will put it on your heart. Um, The link is in the show notes to apply and I will see you all next week. I hope that you have a beautiful day wherever you are in the world.